Blog Talk Radio. The Marketing Technology Blog Radio Show with Douglas Carr, founder of the Marketing Technology Blog and author of Corporate Blogging for Dummies, online marketing strategies, web, search, social, email, mobile, news, tips, tricks, and best practices from actual marketers, search professionals, and social media experts. Well, happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the show. Uh, today, we, we don't do this very often, but when we do, we are very happy about it. We actually have our guest right here in-house, um, so that's always exciting. Um, and, and we have a full house today, too, but it's, it's like a surrounding of men around, <laughs> around one woman tech. Uh, Crystal Grave of Snappening is here in town. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, Snappening, and I'll let Crystal explain, give a full uh, full uh, uh, explanation of her site. Um, but it's it's always good to. Ha- it does feel like we have too many men, doesn't it? So what you're saying? You feel that way? So what you're saying? It's just like any other technology site. Exactly. There's one of me and eight of you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Well, Jen should be here, but then Jen doesn't. Jen just kind of hides in the background during the show a lot of the time too. Yeah, she doesn't say much. Yeah, she doesn't say too much. But we're trying to we're trying to broach that. And then we just got a we just got another intern, um, and 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 it's not a man, thank goodness. So we're trying to build the diversity up here. Zebra. We we need we we we, we need diversity. Trust me. Yeah. It was either that or gender role playing. And yeah. That's where we draw the yeah. line. That's, we wait for Burning Man for that. Right on. <laughs> so, Crystal, first of all, Snappening, tell us about the site. Um, Snappening is an online event planning search engine. So the easiest way for most people to conceptualize the site is to think about um, a data aggregator site where you go to find one interface to find tons of different types of information about either event venues or event planners. So uh, I, I tell most people that if you've been to Expedia to look up a plane flight or Orbitz to look up a plane flight, but you've never gotten on an Expedia or Orbitz plane, you can apply that same logic to our site to find venues and planners. Okay. Oh, that's fantastic. So find the venues and planners, then they don't use them? <laughs> no, they do. They do. They use them to make contact with them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And how did you get started in the tech space? Say that again? How did you get started in the tech space? Um, Well, my background is in corporate marketing, Um, and in that world, you're oftentimes thrust in the role of being an event organizer or an event planner, and that may be a virtual event or a live event, Um, and typically that is not your primary profession. That's a secondary profession you're being asked to do, and so in, in being around that for about 15 years, I saw very clearly that people who had no background in that area really had no idea about how to go about getting started and looking things up or where to find things or how to search for things. Um, And then when they got the information, usually it was incomplete, inconsistent, and still required a ton of manual time on that of the end user. So we're just looking for ways to diminish that for people and make it simpler. So that that kind of was the impetus for developing a technology tool. And that's, I I mean, that's a difficult, of, of um, of all the complex, uh, problems to take on dates and events and venues is a pretty it's it's pretty incredible i mean the variety of 
options and settings and everything else that you have to have associated with events, duration and time and location and people and yeah. you know, everything else. That's a really complex. I know a, a lot of companies that have taken that on and just could never, you know, could never get it off the ground, but you have. Well, and and I can also identify with that having been thrust into that position uh, once before. Uh, there are things like rooms that are supposed to be comped and all, you know, all kinds of things that if you're a novice, you know, it's just unfamiliar territory and you can really be o both overwhelmed and taken advantage of. Yeah. And, you know, and a lot of times um, when somebody really is doing a complex activity for the first time and they don't have a lot of background information, we we actually advocate for them to consider hiring a professional. Um, and, and there is oftentimes a big misnomer that um, they, that people can't afford to hire a professional event planner. But um, a little-known fact and something we're always trying to change is the, is the notion that if an event planner does a great job for you, that planner should pay for him or herself sure. in having come to you. So your budget should not really feel a significant bump, if at all, by having added that professional on your team. And there's, there's uh, I mean, uh, I... To extend that kind of conversation, there's also the opportunity. I know uh, I was working with one gentleman over from the UK that they know all the sponsors. They know all the people that actually put money into the bucket as well a lot of the time. So event planners often have these incredible connections, too, that they understand how to save costs across the board on all of these things, and they understand how to get sponsors and, you know, how to how to really monetize a lot of these events, too. So, yeah. um, so an event doesn't have to cost you tons of money. It, it could actually be a profitable enterprise. Yeah, I mean, and even something much simpler on much more localized scale can be the fact that um, oftentimes a lot of event venues are overlooked because they simply are not relevant in search. Um, they, they are not positioned in such a way because, let's say, you know, operating as an event venue is a secondary role for them. Let's say primarily they're a restaurant, primarily they're a nightclub, primarily they're a community park, but right. they do this as a secondary revenue stream. So they're really not positioned, you know, online to be primarily sought out for this activity. So this is another way to help them do that too. And and you bring to it, uh, Snappening brings to it that you're speaking to each of the independent crowds too, right? The venues, the yep. event coordinators, and the people looking for the events, right? Yep. And and is that the three main, you know, the three main audiences? Yep, absolutely. Anita Baker's here. Yeah. Hi. We have, Hi you're not alone. We have another marketing tech <laughs> <Female>. woman. <laughs> Wonderful. Nice to meet you. Crystal, one of the things that really impresses me about your site is um, the fact that you're you're putting so much helpful information on a regular basis into the site. You're, I mean, you're you're blogging, you know, constantly and with, you know, without. Universally, everything you're putting up there is highly useful. Yeah. And it Thank seems you. like you also have a very passionate community that's surrounded by what you're doing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah. You know, uh, when, you know, I obviously I have a luxury of having started a technology company in a market where I had a lot of experience, and so that certainly helped a lot. But um, even though it is an online service and even though it's a virtual service, it doesn't diminish the importance of human beings in in the notion of having um, a successful following. 
And so prior to developing the technology and turning it on publicly, we took a great deal of time in spreading the word through other means with people and, you know, really establishing somewhat of a, you know, non-site presence online to, to start our following before we really turned on the site. You know, we have a lot of strategic partnerships in town, um, a lot of key trade groups do a lot to support those groups and consistently take advantage of their resources and help them with their own marketing efforts. So. Um, we kind of put uh, people first and then put the technology right after that and continue to um, adapt that based on what people say they want and need. And that has served us very well, and I, I imagine will continue to serve us as we look at new cities. Well, I think that's a that's a rule that all tech companies really need to go by. Um, I think too many of them create a process and then expect the customer to fit into the process you know, somehow change their business strategy and change their technique. So um, kudos to you for recognizing the fact that, that the platform isn't the solution. It's the, the people are the solution. Yeah. So that's awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your customers who benefit? Are they, do they reuse the site? Do they yeah, use I mean, it once? Um, well, you know, there are some other um, pieces of technology that exist online and some sites that provide something similar to what we do, but they're specific to a certain type of event or a certain, certain level of expertise uh, for the end user. And um, we really took a slightly different approach where we wanted this to be a place that you could come back over and over again, no matter what you were planning outside of your home and that you could use it whether or not you're a highly sophisticated meeting planner and have very specific things you need and work in a world of hotel peak room nights and RFPs, or you just want to help your daughter find some venues in another place because you don't live there and you're trying to find the information quickly and easily and you need to find venues not only for, let's say, a wedding-based function, which a lot of people think of, but let's say you need to have a shower and a rehearsal dinner and you need some hotel rooms and you, you just need a lot of different things and you want that experience to be comprehensive so you feel like you've unearthed every stone. Um, we really wanted either one of those people to feel comfortable using the technology. So we just we just took slight, just a slightly different approach in managing it that way. And how many years has Snapping been around now? Um, it's been around a whopping like 1.5 years. It's relatively new. <laughs> and geographically, um, help me kind of understand. You're here in Indianapolis. Uh, I mean, would you describe this as being? Nationwide or um, no, no. We definitely started. You know, we started locally. We started with a focus um, in a local market to really make sure we understood what people wanted and needed. And we're now um, expanding outside of the Central Indiana DMA and moving into Fort Wayne and Bloomington and South Bend and kind of working our way down to Louisville. And uh, a lot of that expansion is based on consumer feedback we've had from Central Indiana. Uh, we do have people who stumble upon us all over the country all the time and want to know venues in all kinds of other cities we're not in yet. Yeah. Um, but um, we're working on getting there first, kind of tweaking some things. Before you're, we you're capturing all there. that data, right? That's right. That's right. I, I see when you put in that zip code in Boston. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it couldn't be a better location to start with, right? Indianapolis is obviously, a, and, and for people who don't know or don't realize, we're pretty much a venue capital, I think, from Indy 500 to obviously the Super Bowl was here to um, the Indiana Convention Center, which is 
now I think one of the nation's best and largest convention centers. So, um, so great location to actually start a business like this in too, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and Indianapolis is frequently used by you know much more advanced national brands as a consistent test market as well because the demographics of our city very closely align with the demographics of the country. Um, so it's it's actually a, a perfect place to sort yeah. of see how people. React. And so for our listeners outside of Indianapolis, you should be coming here for your conventions as well. <laughs> you should be bringing them to this town because it will save you a ton of money uh, without all the traffic, without all the yeah. $50 a day parking, without all of the, the traps of the big city. And Doug, I know you mentioned the Super Bowl. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to attend several events during the Super Bowl. and. Uh, Snapping is one of the unsung heroes of the Super Bowl. I, I mean, I'm sure you could regale us with many stories of clients you've helped, but um, um, you know, you're just one of those another one of those companies that really, you know, helped to get us back on the map. Yeah, it was it was really kind of cool to see you know what happened the day after they announced the teams and see the surge of traffic from New York and it's like, well, okay, nice. hello New York, how can we help you? Um, so that was great. You know, it was nice to be a part of that. That's all, well, great test. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really well. Dear. So what's your greatest growth been coming from? Um, you know, we we have really consistent growth from all three of our user, you know, our user groups. We we have new consumers regularly using the site. We have new venues um, claiming their profiles and getting more content on the site regularly and growing that base. And then um, also more planners. Um, Sometimes people stumble upon us from referrals or recommendations or tweets or something else or someone else saying something else out in the great wide world. Um, but a lot of times it's just um, people finding us in search and, you know, using us to find that event venue. Mm-hmm. And what do they search on when they find you? What, what tracking, like how they're coming to, you know, what the sources are and what the yeah. words are that they're using? Yeah, I mean, you know, we go after about 30, you know, dominant keywords that we're going after, event venue, wedding venue, event planner, wedding planner, you know, things that are relative to what we do in our search um, or on our site, and that would be appropriate. And then we also use a pretty, um, you know, detailed process of having a lot of um, links and connections with other trade groups in our industry that makes sense you know, for us to be talking in that space. Mm-hmm. So just sort of applying other marketing tactics in addition to online tactics. Does the it seems to me like the search engine industry needs to grow up a little bit to to get to the level of sophistication that you guys are providing. You know, the that if I put something on the site and it's time sensitive, search engines aren't time sensitive. They'll remember it for three years after yeah. <laughs> after the event. Um are, are, are you hoping or are you hoping to replace, you know, that that piece? Is the hope that obviously you target search engines and target some keywords and people go to the search engines and search for them, but is the hope that they'd eventually just go to snapping, you know, if they're looking for any type of venue or event because you're actually going to show you know, all of the live and upcoming events rather than all the expired, you know, garbage that's out there? Uh, yeah, I think I think our idea is to, you know, sort of serve as a primary aggregator source for people so that they, you know, most of our users will tell us, and they, they told us before we built a site too in focus group, 
you know, they don't really care how you go about monetizing your site or how you get the data. They want to know that they got a list that was complete and they got a list that was current. Right. So, um, you know, your your database lives and dies by the accuracy of your data. Right. Clearly. So we put a lot of emphasis on making sure the data is clean. You know, when things open and close, that's addressed. When ownership changes, that's addressed. When names change, that's addressed. Um, when new things come on board, that's taken care of. When someone knows that a new farm opened out, you know, in the netherworld and said, you know, now they're doing weddings, we have a relationship with those folks. So um, that matters most to everyone, knowing that they can come and get a nice, complete, robust list of possibilities. Um, and then everything else outside of that, you know, they're willing to be a little more accepting about the level of perfection, but it's that starting point. So we really you know, make a really concerted effort of making sure that we are the most complete and comprehensive in breadth and depth for every property we can be. Nice. Nice. Well, let's take a short break. I want to uh, run an advertisement for a sponsor, uh, MindJet, and then uh, we'll run a deliver an ad right after that. Each and every week, you get bombarded with hundreds of emails, dozens of meetings, countless requests, updates, and reminders, and a deluge of out-of-control deadlines and tasks. More information and distraction means less communication, which affects your productivity, efficiency, and your sanity. At MindJet, we offer the tools to help you get the job done. MindJet takes that information overload and organizes it visually in terms people can understand and shares it with those who actually need it. Work fast, work smart. Go to MindJet.com to learn more. Delivera has been providing email software and professional services for more than 13 years. Delivera helps businesses and organizations execute effective email marketing campaigns by providing dynamic software and professional services, from full-out consulting engagements to help when you need it in areas such as design, production, deliverability, and testing. Voted one of the 2011 best places to work in Indiana and one of Inc. 5000's fastest growing companies. Delivera partners with businesses and organizations across all industries and verticals and truly opens its doors each and every day to put the customer first. To learn more about Delivera, visit www.delivera.com or call 866 866- 9159465 Tell them you heard about Delivera from the Marketing Technology Blog. And we're back. <laughs> 3 2 1 <laughs> we, we we try to run the most unprofessional podcast ever here. Uh, Can you tell us about your how you monetize the site? Yeah, um, we have actually four revenue streams for the site. Um, it's a freemium model, so any one of the three user groups I just told you about can have some basic access or an upgraded access, so that's consumers, venues, and planners. And then the fourth uh, line is advertising. And generally speaking, our advertisers that are, are somebody that are in the event planning service spectrum, somewhere in those you know 20 or so vendor categories, but don't happen to be a venue or don't happen to be a planner. So that can be florist caterers, mm-hmm. you know, invitation makers, mm-hmm. anybody else who's involved in that. 
right. world. So when you go out to talk to them about advertising, how do you position your service? You know, what benefits do you say you'd have from coming on to our service if you advertise with us? Well, mostly, um, generally speaking, most people are most interested in being on the site that is not um, wedding specific, honestly, because we're essentially the only site in town that offers a complete list of uh, providers in those categories, and it's not wedding specific. So for a lot of people, they're interested in having more corporate people see them, having more businesses see them, have people consider them for birthday parties and anniversaries and galas and nonprofits and things outside of, you know, that one singular mm -hmm. event type. And mm -hmm. that's really part of the reason we built our site the way we did, because I'd rather have you as a client for 18 years instead of 18 months, but right. that's just me. Right. Right. Um, so, right. yeah, and that seems to work for us. You know, we have people use our site all the time for things. So that's great. Um, it's kind of fun to watch that happen and see what people are planning and what people are doing and what we have going on. If, if I'm uh, so let's well, I mean, let's just say, like, DK New Media, and we want to put up we want to put on the event is the process that we would take is organizing the event and finding a planner first and then utilizing snapping or would it be we go to snapping first and and maybe shop for a venue and and can we search for a planner on there as well yep okay. yep you can you can actually search for both um, and we have sometimes people who you know will contact us because they're not quite sure what they should do in what order and they're not right. quite sure that they need a planner so they'll sometimes reach out directly and ask for some guidance or some help in putting, you know, a fairly sophisticated request to the system or something where um, they maybe need a little more personalized support. Nice. Yeah. And you guys, is that a is that a service that you guys provide at a cost? That if I need, if I just need consulting, I don't. Obviously, we don't do event planning. So if I needed an event planned. You know, would I contact you know Snapping and ask your assistance in consultation? What we would probably do is we would help consult you in knowing what you need to ask people for. Okay. So we would try to kind of prepare you for the types of questions your a venue is going to need to know the answers to, or a planner is going to need to know the answers to, or both. Because a lot of times people will say, "Well, I need to have this event," and I'll say, "Well, how many people?" And they'll say, "Oh, well, when? Oh, well, how long? Oh." Well, how much food and beverage? You, oh. Uh, wait, wait. Did you record my phone call? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, we, uh, we go through kind of those those basic questions, and then somebody will say, well, I don't know the answers to all these. And I'll say, well, consider them, because when you contact a venue, and let's say you decide to contact 15 at one time, which was what our site does, unless you want 15 emails that ask you all those questions back, you should, you know, give that some thought so you save yourself some time as the company or the end user. Um, and we kind of do some prompts for people to remind them of those types of things. But um, usually, you know, if you're a newbie and you, you've not really done that before, we try to help you save yourself time. And then after you've done that once, you know, you kind of have a lay of the land, you'll know the types of things to be ready to answer for someone. And, and do you think planning is the essence of what makes an event successful or not successful? Um, it certainly helps a great deal. Okay. Um, I would say depending on what type of event you're talking about. If you're talking about dinner for four at your house and it's going to have a theme and it's somebody's birthday, the level of sophistication you need for that is far different than if you decide for as a company for the first year you're going to put on your first ever uh, client conference. Right. And you've never done that before. Well, if you've never done that before and you think you're going to do that without having some people who have done that before at your side, I would recommend against that because you'll just – 
you'll save yourself a lot of time and energy and a lot of headaches and mistakes and possibly misspent funds if you consult an expert. And that's, you know, oftentimes what we, you know, share with people in doing is, you know, or if you've got a huge gala and you've never played in a gala before, things like that. Even if you have a volunteer pool or you have an employee pool to help you, it's always great to have somebody else involved who's done it before. You know, who's going to know what you should and shouldn't be paying for and what you did and didn't miss in the contract and little things like that. And there's some talented event planners. They are able to juggle a million things, it seems like to me. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that like I'm not one of them, but they're awesome. Right, right. I, I, I'm always amazed at how calm event planners are while mm. pure chaos is happening <laughs> around them at larger events with, you know, food issues and this issues and, you know, someone running late and speakers canceling. And, I, you know, I've gone to some of these expositions where I'm, I'm where, just... Where you're the one that's causing... Wait, wait, wait a second, Harry. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I think the reason that they seem calm, and, you know, you were talking to me about planning, if you've planned for the way things should go, when the thing that goes wrong happens, you don't yeah. have to stress because everything else is in place. Right. And that's really critically important for a major function. Um, mm-hmm. Something will go wrong. It's just a matter of if and when. Um, so to what extent, sort of. And so when other things are sort of ironed out, you leave yourself a little bit of room for that slight panic moment to happen when something mm-hmm. happens that right. was not on the books. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful marketing message that is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it will come up. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean. And so, Crystal, if we were to apply that to starting your new business, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> what, what, you know, was maybe a lesson learned for, for you? I mean, you you had expertise in, in the field, but perhaps not starting a new business. So what was maybe a lesson learned for you in that process? Um, Well, probably the biggest lesson I've learned so far is that while it's awesome to know a whole lot about this one part of your business, not knowing about every single part of every function of every business that's ever existed, um, that is very challenging. So um, I'm always, you know, looking to beef up my, my personal technology knowledge because I I obviously came from a very strong marketing background and communications background and an event background. Um, but I'm, you know, learning more technology as we go along. Not dissimilar to some technologists who come up with site design but have no background in marketing. So right. those two things really complement each other quite a bit. And so I'm always adding to my knowledge base in that area. I think you're really, uh, to some extent, ahead of the curve, though, because you have a, a very strong social presence, and Thanks. as we all know, increasingly, uh, social signals, participation, if you will, are increasingly important for things like search. So, you know, kudos to you. Thanks. Do you we, plan? We try to be authentic when we can, <laughs> but. Do you plan on adding functionality either to the site or in your customer service model? Yeah, you know, um, one of the, we're working on, you know, two big developments always, and um, and that's in our long-range plan, and that's adding other service lines that would be searchable. The next one we're looking to add is photography, and then um, also adding other cities. And as we add other cities, looking at pieces of technology that allow us to onboard those cities faster and authentically with some key stakeholders in those cities who will be, you know, sort of our evangelists 
and then kind of take it out to the masses because it's very important to us, you know, just fundamentally as an organization to be authentic about what we do and to listen to the people and to really um, make the event planning community think of this piece of technology as a complement to what they do already in a very personal um, relationship-based way um, and that it can help them. It can help save them time. It's not there to replace them. You've used the word authentic several times, so that means something special to you. Help me understand, when you say authentic, what what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, I'll, I'll give you just a couple of real examples. Um, there, there are ways that you can clearly use technology to make it appear as though you know what's happening in Phoenix, but you're clearly not in Phoenix. But when you go to visit a site like that, um, and you and you are in Phoenix, and you see what comes up in Phoenix, you know right away that's not an authentic presence okay. for Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Similarly, you know if you look up Indianapolis and you see really funky or weird listings for things that clearly somebody has set up a keyword schema somewhere, and that's matching and pairing that, but it makes no sense, and no human being would ever look right. at it that way. That, that triggers something in your mind that, that that information and that source is not authentic. And um, that is going to, in my opinion, continue to be paramount in the way we deal with um, all SEM and all you know realms of using technology to replace what used to be done manually by a human with other sources. You, you can't take the humanity out of what you're doing to try to make a computer do everything. Um, and And... I think, if anything, I've seen in our industry and the one I'm working in right now in this space, that that would be the number one shortcoming is um, constantly trying to find quickie workarounds to try to make a computer think like a human when in some instances it's not quite there yet. It doesn't make sense. And in in this space, um, in this hospitality space, that's one of those places where it'll take a while before you're going to get a, get, to get a computer to be as smart as a person who lives in that city. I, I haven't seen computers uh, express the hospitality. Yet. No, mm-hmm. no, not yeah, yet. It's interesting the parallel that that we could draw with the customers Angie's list. Um, that the platform is a little bit secondary to what they actually try to achieve, and and they're they're working on a content strategy now obviously uh, the, because it's necessary they they want to become an authority obviously in the in the review space and and everything and one of the things that they've done is just significant outreach every single city looking for plumbers looking for doctors looking for you know these people because they know that those people know the cities you know more than obviously Angie's list does here right. centered in in Indianapolis and it's working. Tell me everything you've learned. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's working. It's working, but to your, uh, you've alluded to it. It's hard work. It's not a. There isn't an easy way. You know, it's it it is literally. You know, us coming through city by city to find. Know, who are the leaders in that city? Who should they be? Who's trusted in that city? Who are the people that they should be contacting? And that's a, that's there's no holy grail for that. It's it's just butchering through, <laughs> you know, and and learning over time. Um, but I think they're doing a good job of it. But it's one of those things that 
it's interesting, and, and I'll, I'll go off on a diatribe a little bit on this, their stock price has gone up and down, and obviously because they're a new IPO and, you know, people can sell off stock, and so they've gotten some bad rap. The funny thing is, is this strategy is a multi-year strategy. And so while people are looking for Angie's List to make money tomorrow or make a million, you know, bucks a day tomorrow, this is a strategy that's five years out. This is a strategy that's 10 years out, that they're actually starting to build roots in these cities. And so I, again, I, I think the parallel and I commend you on it is that you're going after that very strategically, that you get those roots in those places first, that you find those people there first, and then you're an authentic you know, business in that neighborhood. Without that, it, it is just a technology. It is just a platform, and maybe people use it, maybe people don't use it. So I think um, another parallel that I see is that you, you've expressed that people can reach out and, and touch you personally to get some advice, and, and we hear the same thing from Angie's List, that people, you know, while they have the web presence and you don't have to talk to people, there are some folks who just want to call and, and talk, you know, they... Human. They want to talk to a human, and, you know, that's just their preference, and so the technology is there, but they have multiple channels for people to get in and, and um, interact. It's, it's funny. Angie still answers the phone over there. She gets on the phone about once a week and, and really? answers calls, and so people are always, like... <laughs> Hoping this is going to be no, totally shocked. <laughs> shocked. You know, she's like, like, oh. yeah, she's like, this is, this is right. Angie. It is and there's exactly, right. it is not. And it actually is. So The same thing happens here, though, when people get dug. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they don't get dug. <laughs> you know, another, another company that comes to mind is, is Yelp. Uh, they've, they've managed to dial that model in really well, but wherein they are relying upon people, you know, local people actually providing that feedback that is then served up uh, appropriately. And sourcing. But they but they also they don't just rely upon just crowdsourcing. They actually go out and Yeah, we have a Yelp and, representative and, here and, in and town. And actually chat right. with people locally. So they have this good mix of of local content moderated with, you know, kind of a larger bur uh, business. Uh, and they look for people who are really tuned into the town as well. Right. Did, did, you, did you just start talking about a competitor to our client? <laughs> <laughs> that was my question. Is Angie's List a competitor? Um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think. Actually, I, I talked to Angie when I was developing this company, you know, a while ago. So it's funny that we bring her up. And I am an Angie's List client. Yeah. Um, and I, I just used it in the past two weeks, actually, to find a plumber. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no, it was heating and AC. Sorry. Um, but I digress. Uh, I would say that really neither one of those companies are competitors because Angie's List, in my mind, if you had to use a one-word summation of what they represent, they represent service. Okay. Right. They, you know, if I had to, in one word, say, what do they aim to achieve service? Yeah. No, that's it. If I had to say what Yelp aims to achieve, it's preference. Like, how great are you? Um, you know, they're very highly review-focused and rating-focused, and which one really was the best Asian restaurant? Which one really was the best breakfast place in Boston in this neighborhood? You know, that's, I think, what that user generally is going after. 
And are our users really going after data? Yeah. You know, they're they're going after data in a different way. Just because somebody may rate venue A as a 10 or a 5 star or whatever, venue A for that particular user may not be their preference or their needs. So they're really wanting um, comprehension on our site more than they're wanting um, preference in all instances. It helps, you know, clearly rating sway and influence design and decision. But they they really want to kind of comb through who meets their needs and slice and dice that data for what they have to achieve. So I think we just go after slightly different things. I mean, we 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 have a listing on Yelp too for our company, you right. know, in that category. So um, they they've not contacted me yet to to say snarky things to me like a few other companies have. But you know, whatever, it's fine. That we won't mention. <laughs> well, it is kind of cool when somebody who is like a ginormous, like gorilla in the room national competitor says to you, I can't seem to sell anything in Indianapolis anymore because everyone mentions your name. So that, that does make me kind of happy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a six, problem of success, yes. Yeah, let's just let's like keep happening. Come on. <laughs> Come on. But also, yeah. you, you know, Snapping seems to, to your point, offer this, this uh, you know, this great data point, if you will, that seems a great marriage for other organizations. I mean, the first one that came to mind for me was Blogger. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it would be a natural complement to, to much of what Blogger is doing because, you know, people use that site are looking and they're looking for that type of information. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you thinking now about partnerships or are you thinking first to grow and then possibly develop partnerships, or would you rather not talk about that right now? Oh, no, no. It's, I mean, anytime I see a great piece of technology, or, or actually, it doesn't even have to be technology. When I see a great source of information that's somewhere in our space but isn't us, I always think, how, how could we make both brands better by doing something together? Um, and we're, you know, actually in the middle of having a conversation with a totally different sort of non-tech brand, um, but it is in our space um, where the, the marrying of the two would make great sense. And I've actually looked at several technology companies and thought about things on our site that we're never going to be primarily focused on certain functionality or whatever, and like, oh, it would be great to do that. Or, you know, blogging is another great example. Like, we do blog, and we blog frequently, and we talk about things in our space, but we're not primarily a blog site. You know, we are primarily a database site. So, you know, relationships like that are helpful and useful. And so I'm constantly looking for them. And I think that they'll just sort of happen as things sort of fall into place. I I would like to say I have some grand master plan, but even if I did, it would only work if everyone complied and acquiesced at the moment Mm -hmm. I needed them to. And I'm guessing that's not going to happen. You're not planning to be bought by Facebook. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. Yeah. If anybody wants to come over and ask, that's cool. Great. Yeah. Let's, well, I was going to take a short break. Let's uh, uh, sponsor Right On Interactive, and uh, and we'll do a second from MindJet. Marketing tech blog listeners meet Right On Interactive. Right On Interactive is a marketing automation company that helps organizations win, keep, and grow business. They do this through a lifecycle marketing solution that builds engagement throughout the life cycle of every prospect and customer. Recognized as a top-ranking marketing automation solution with a hands-on implementation strategy, RightOn Interactive provides an engagement blueprint for sales and marketing teams so they see where to invest their resources to drive revenue. 
Engagement drives relationships, and relationships drive revenue. This is why nurturing relationships is key. Lifecycle Marketing from Right On Interactive. It's the next evolution of marketing automation. To learn more, visit RightOnInteractive.com. Email info at RightOnInteractive.com. Outside the box, pushing the envelope, back to the drawing board. Thinking in new ways means doing in new ways, and it's hard to work creatively when you rely on old tools. Whiteboards, sticky notes, and endless email threads only get you so far, and don't work if your team is scattered across the globe. At MindJet, we offer the tools for more vibrant and productive brainstorming. MindJet puts your ideas into a visual framework in terms people can understand and shares it with anyone, anywhere, anytime. Work fast, work smart. Go to MindJet.com to learn more. Um, we are back. Uh, we are back with Crystal Grave from Snappening. Now, uh, on the site, uh, and Crystal was gracious to remind us, we were talking about the zero moment of truth, um, and we wanted to talk about that a little bit. So what is the zero moment of truth? Zmot. Yeah, Zmot. So um, this is a, a Google coined phrase, and um, they put out a great ebook about it, which I enjoyed reading. And actually, I, I learned about it because Google came to Indianapolis um, probably about a year and a half ago now, maybe a year ago, and um, I can't remember. And they were giving a presentation to the American Marketing Association about how zero moment of truth is starting to apply to advertising and branding and online search. And basically, you know, it, it's surmised as um, how, how do we start to make a purchasing decision today? You know, what happens in that moment where we're like, you know, in our own mind, I want to know more about that guitar because that's interesting or that cleanser or that chicken sandwich or that hotel or whatever, fill in the blank. And um, the interesting thing I felt about it was even though the presentation that I saw was incredibly focused on um, durable goods, brands and B2C communication or B2B or yeah, B2C communication for things that people would go out and every buy in everyday life. I saw the application in hospitality as being very interesting because in meeting with my clients, um, I don't think they believe that the zero moment of truth exists yet for them and their brands. Um, but it very much so does. And you know, our site speaks a lot to being adaptable for that. So somebody might say to me, for example, why would I need to be on a site that tells people what kind of venue I am when they can just call me and come find me? And I would say, well, that's great if they know your phone number and your name, but if they don't know either and wouldn't have never thought of you for that, that's a little more challenging. And, you know, some an owner of, you know, said establishment might say to me, oh, that will never happen. And I would say, ha-ha, it happens every day, and you just don't see it because you're not in that moment. Um, maybe not directly to them, but I might think that. Um, <laughs> I say it. <laughs> um, and it's um, it's just very interesting, and I thought that the most interesting thing I feel in, tech, or in Zmot with hospitality is the hospitality industry itself is born and bred and lives and dies by their in-person human communication and their ability to be hospitable. You know, uh, very much so, uh, I'll, I'll use the hotel as an example because it's an easy example. You know, the hotel feels like 
if they provided you a good experience when you walked in the door, if they opened the door, if the front-end staff was great, if your room was great, if it was clean, everything that a human touched when you physically got there, if that was all great, they provided you with a great experience. And, you know, that that's true, but that paradigm is way shifting much earlier now that, like, why did they even walk in your door? Right. Um, and why did they even pretend to choose you to even see your, you know, your bellman for that first time or consider your concierge or come to you because you had the urban view of the seaside shore on one side and this on that on the other. I mean, that all happened because your consumer stood out in front of you and told that story. Um, And that's really dramatically changing now in hospitality and really getting people to appreciate that. So I wrote, you know, I I wrote an article about it here locally and um, talked about it quite a bit and I just thought it was an interesting dynamic because uh, it's an industry that doesn't want to believe it's coming, but it's already at their doorstep. Well, I mean, it's hit our industry. Obviously, there's major PR businesses that have gone out of town, out of business here in town. There's agencies that have gone out of business in town because that change happened. You know that that exact shift, and then there's other agencies that have cropped up and done well. Um, I think in your business, you guys have seen it firsthand, and I'm talking to Doug Thies at Lifeline Data Centers, but you guys have content now and relationships and personal relationships. You know, you've got tech makers, so you're out, you're out meeting people, greeting people, creating relationships with people that it might not be for five years that they pick up the phone and actually call you but you're setting the foundations of that early, right? Yeah, the trick is to be remembered when the time comes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it's three years from now. Yeah, so, and you've done a great, DK's done a great job of uh, making that happen for us. Well, and, and I'm not just a friend, I'm a client. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, I mean, you were one of the early tech guys that I met here in town that um, I, I, I think I said to you, I don't have any clients to bring to you. I don't have any... I don't have anything for you. And Doug said, that's okay. Don't worry about it. And he just kept introducing me to people and introducing me to people and introducing me to people. And, and you know, I owe, you know, some of our business success to, to those relationships that cropped up. So now, whenever a client even remotely says anything about, you know, co-location and, and backups and everything else, I'm, oh, I, I got a guy. <laughs> I got a guy, you know, and it's because of that. It's because of that relationship before the sale that that ever happened. So I think it's it's critical. And the other side of it too is that people used to have to pick up the phone before. They used to have to call the business to find out what they did. They don't have to do that anymore. Now they've got their their network of friends. They've got their networks of colleagues. They've got their industry websites. They've got social media. They've got search engines. Yeah. Now by the time they call you. They know more about your company than the salesperson does, mm-hmm. you know, most of the time. Yeah, and, you know, we when we did our focus group work, which we also did in Indianapolis with our user groups, um, we, we kind of found this phenomenon before, you know, Google had really put this out heavy and coined a phrase for Thema. And what we called it in our model was research, consideration, selection, or the RCS model. And that when people were making their decision, you know, process, they start here with the great wild west yonder of books and magazines and friends and family and ideas and, you know, anything they came across in making a selection process for an event and then immediately realize, whoa, way too much data, data, can't deal with all that, cut it in half, cut it in half again, cut, you know, keep trimming it down to this manageable amount 
over many, many hours, and finally when they get to that manageable amount, only then, if you're easy to get a hold of, if they could find your email address and you put your information where they could get it in the Tuesday afternoon while they're sitting at work working on their wedding or whatever, you know, they were working on that kind of thing, um, then they'll reach out to you. But if you were anywhere else along that continuum out in those larger phases, they won't bother. And, um, I mean, it didn't matter if it was a 55-year-old woman who was planning a reunion or something on behalf of a daughter or, you know, anything like that, or if it was a 35-year-old woman planning a class reunion and needed it to be on a specific side of town and didn't know where all the properties were, or if it was a 20-year-old bride. didn't matter. You know, they kind of went through the same process. They may have used slightly different tools, but the the end game was the same. So if if you're not going to position your business to be available in the moment of consideration, you basically just said, I don't care about your business mm-hmm. because right. I, I'm going to position my business that in a way that's convenient for me, not for you. And by making that choice, I've said to you, I don't really care whether or not it was easy for you to get a hold of me. I don't really care whether or not it was easy for you to find my information online and make that choice. You know, I, I want you to come in and see my property because if you come in, then I can sell it to you. Right. And and that's really not what the end user wants anymore. You know, they really want you to say, no, you know what, if you're going to sell it to me, you're going to sell it to me by sending me this packet. And if I like you, I'll come in and I'll visit with you, but only then. You know, and it's just, it's a shift. Mm-hmm. And um, I think people have to be ready to, to allow the customer to have what they want, when they want, how they want, and figure out how to make their business operations make sense to support that um, and be accommodating. Mm-hmm. Since it's now basically a 24-hour window that any human can decide to reach out to you. Right. right. Do they feel like, you know, like you're talking about like the hotel segment, if, they have, if there's a hotels.com and you do a good search on that, that you're going to be able to, that the property feels like people are going to be able to surface enough you know, information um, that they don't necessarily need to, you know, put themselves in other kinds of online venues. Um, <clears throat> I think that's a little bit of the, um, the thinking, but I think um, there's also a lack of understanding about making their uh, their information uniform so it's searchable across multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. So you may have the information for your property somewhere on page 17, you know, as someone made their way down the menu schema, to get that data, but if that user is not familiar with that or not familiar with sites or not familiar with that level of sophistication or whatever, they they can't get to it. Mm. And not only can they not get to it very easily, they can't get to it and slice it and dice it with other data. So really, that's that's where people are wanting to go. They they really sort of want those magic bullet solutions that are like, well, what would be awesome is to just know in one <laughs> click every single place in your whole city that I could have 200 people. That's what I really want to know. And so that's that's why we build the way we right. build. You know, like, I don't really care about anything else. I just need to know what I need for me mm. this afternoon, you mm-hmm. know. And so when every site is thinking about, well, you can just come to my site and figure that out. Well, no, no one's going to go do that 200 times, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, they wouldn't mm-hmm. do that once. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, three times if they're not satisfied with their results. But, I mean, that's the only reason they're going to keep searching now. Mm-hmm. And, Crystal, I think to your point, you know, being at that zero moment of truth for almost any company now really has all to do with being helpful as opposed to being always selling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I th- and I think the evidence will continue to, to prove out that that by, you know, focusing on a business philosophy of being helpful rather than always selling, it's actually more efficient and and people do better at that. 
would believe him. Well, the the irony too is, I don't know if you classify yourself in the software as a service space. Would you say you say you are? Sure. Yeah. A hybrid kind of. Yeah. What I see in the software as a service space is the people that truly believe that they are a software as a service. In other words, that it's a platform and it's taking care of that customer relationship and it's taking care of all of that and I'm making money in my sleep because people are using my software. They are dying because people don't want, they want the service. Yeah. <laughs> the software yeah, that, is just... That, that end of that, app, that SaaS statement is like, you know, that big S on the end yeah. does still matter. I, if I want to fix my car, it's not as easy as going out and buying the toolbox. Right. It's not all self-service. Yeah, I have, to, I have to have the mechanic. I have to have someone with that expertise to help me, you know, through that process. Well, and, and not only that, but the reality is if you're going you're gonna to act like, oh, I turned on the light switch and now I'm going to walk away and just give me money, um, it's just not – it's just not very practical. Right. And, and not only that, but at the core foundation of the philosophy of what you're providing out in a virtual space, I think, again, loses the initial thought. You know, you wanted to do something to be helpful. Yeah. Well, when the help walks away, right. <laughs> that is no longer all that helpful if someone can't, you know, navigate through something, has a question, right. doesn't quite understand something, where should I start? You know, and you can do some things with the technology to make that better, but at the end of the day, you still should you know, you still should be afforded the right to talk to another person to say, well, let me just get that done for you. Right. You know, whether it's a mechanic or it's a website or if it's a piece of, you know, service or some other kind of professional company, even if it's nothing more than a referral to say, I can't help you, but this is the tool I tell you you should go use for that piece of what you're wanting to do. And I think it's even at the monsters, you know, you look at Facebook, um, Facebook's doing it now. Now they've got tons of outreach, Facebook stories. I'm I'm hearing more and more about people contacted by Facebook advertising. They're they're you know yeah, presentations and infographics and and everything else. They're learning. They're even learning that okay, we might you know have a couple billion people on the platform, but nobody knows how to run a campaign properly. We need to get people out there to educate them and show them you know how to do it. So it's 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 really intriguing to me. And congratulations. And we're we're closing up the podcast, but that you took the reverse approach. You started with the service and then you're you're melding the product around that service. And I, I just think that that's just exceptional. It's probably the hardest route. <laughs> it's a lot easier oh, so to... It's not just me. Okay. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> it's a lot easier to make a product and tell everybody, well, stupid, you didn't click on that. <laughs> you know... <Sure> it is, <laughs> than it is to basically listen to customers and understand their process and then give them a business solution that matches and then to help them actually do it. So so kudos, uh, again, to, to Snapping. Um, for people that, that want to, um, well, obviously, if they want to talk to Crystal, you're online and, and accessible, snapping.com. Uh, on Twitter? Yeah, just a- just snapping. Snapping everywhere. Facebook, snapping. Yep. Snapping, snapping, snapping. So yep. that, makes it, that makes it easy. <laughs> do you, to close, do you mind telling us some upside for your subscribers, like your venues and your event planners? I mean, what's the what's the good that uh, some real people have found in you know, snapping? My most favorite stories in the whole wide world on either side is 
I never would have known about that place if I hadn't used your site. We went there and it was great. Or to hear a client on the other side, the business side, say, that woman told me she came in because she found us on your site and she had never heard of us. Mm-hmm. Um, or, oh, I got this corporate piece of business and I never would have gotten that. You know, so those are awesome stories and I don't always see them because depending on how the user chooses to use the technology, they can make contact in a multitude of ways. But it's really wonderful to get to hear that. Like, and, and to see, you know, I can see some of the traffic go through and see how people are using it. And every time you see that happen, you're like, yay, go spend money. Everyone will be happy. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for spending a Friday afternoon with us. Uh, and and just can't wait to see this continue to blossom and launch in other, in other cities. For all of our other cities that are listening, um, contact Crystal and demand that you start up. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Tell me where you want me to go next. Yeah, there you go. Well, this is Doug Carr, and uh, thanks for joining us this week on the Marketing Tech Blog uh, podcast. Marty Thompson, let's go around the room. We haven't done that in a while. Have a great long weekend, everyone. Yeah, Marty Thompson, he's Freighter on on uh, Twitter for anybody who wants to get a hold of him. Anita Baker. Harry Howe, Howe Leadership. Doug Thies with Lifeline Data Centers. And Adam Smalls back there working in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks. I make sure. Connect with us anytime at marketingtechblog.com. And from there, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Tech Blog.